2: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Match day four of Champions League action continues today as uh, we reach the halfway point of the group stage. Here's a look at today's pictures right here on the Galazzo Network at 1245. Napoli hosts Union Berlin who uh, are desperate, desperate for a win. We'll also see Bayern Munich taking on Galatasaray, Copenhagen host Manchester United, Arsenal Sevilla, Real Madrid and Braga, Salzburg versus Inter and PSV versus Lens. Our coverage starts at 2 p.m. on Paramount+. Plus. All right, uh, in Group A, Manchester United currently sit in third place in the table on three points. They travel to Copenhagen today, um, a big three points at stake for them in this one. And considering their their win against Fulham, we haven't really talked about their their win against Fulham over, over the weekend. And it was a Bruno Fernando's stoppage time, uh, Fernando's stoppage time goal that gave them that result. And it we talked about how this result could potentially give them give them a little bit of momentum, especially heading into uh, match day four of, of Champions League. Nico, how are you feeling about Manchester United as they approach this game against Copenhagen?
3: Still not convinced. Yeah. It takes a 90-minute goal to beat Fulham. It's a golasso, by the way. Mm-hmm. you got to grind out results on the road. So credit to them for getting the win. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened against Copenhagen, um, where they had a last-minute penalty kick saved by Onana to grind out the result. Mm-hmm. Um, Bayern struggled at... Uh, uh, what's the name of the stadium, at at Copenhagen's stadium, until the floodgates started opening. But you got to open those floodgates. And Manchester United, I don't think they're convincing collectively to, to do that yet. And it just, I still have question marks as to which Manchester United we're going to see. They struggled in the Champions League. They lost to Galatasaray. They got dismantled by Bayern. They could rarely got over Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. So Parkin Stadium, that's what it's called. Just yeah, came Parkin, from mm. yeah.
0: Par- so, or just just every- Parkin, parkin'. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I was like, how did he forget that? This guy knows you know, the Red Star Belgrade stadium. It's like like four guys' names, but you can't remember parking. Um, I I actually really like the way Copenhagen plays. I was really upset that I couldn't go to a game when I was there uh, a couple months ago. But they play a very attractive, very fast, very Mm -hmm. electric style. Um, They've they've got some uh, bargy. They've got some really incredible players. They spread the goals around. This will not be an easy team to defend. They don't set up very simply. They don't play a pragmatic style. Mm -hmm. They're going to take the game to Manchester United. Manchester United has quality. Obviously, they have a ton of injuries, but they have quality. Can they put it together? We keep asking that question. We've seen it from time to time. But really, what we see more often than not when they win, it's it's moments of excellence from a player, or mm-hmm. it's a moment of brilliance from one or two players. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a consistent, we, this is the way we play, and look, we're beating you playing this way. It's a something happens, and next thing you know, somebody, you know, Scott McTominay scores, you know? It's... They need to really figure this out before they show up to Copenhagen because I know there's going to be fans who are like, oh, it's just Copenhagen. No, nah, you're going to get beat if you show up to Parkin without a real plan.
2: Yeah, do you, Darren, do you think it should be Bruno Fernandez? Is he that guy as the captain that needs to kind of provide that that consistently strong performance to galvanize this team?
4: I think if we haven't seen it by now, Ooh. I don't know if he's ah. that guy. I I mean a little, I just, a little,
0: a little hot take right there. Yeah,
4: I mean I just don't know. I feel like they haven't played as a team in so long and we've talked about this over and over again and I've I've seen the show talked about it and how there's just not that energy, there's not that player that's into getting into tackles, fighting, uplifting everybody. And yeah, he'll put a goal away here and there, but sometimes I think he just kind of like loses it and runs around the pitch, like trying to get people amped mm-hmm. up, but it's not that effective. Um, I don't know if he's that guy. I hope maybe this next game they put it together. The biggest thing I think is there's no connectivity in the front and their attack. Everyone's kind of individualistic. I thought um, Ganacho had a great last game. Anthony I, was very uninspiring to watch in my opinion mm-hmm. and has been. Um, and I want to see them really? use Hoyland a lot more. I, he hardly gets on the ball like why don't we see his pace or them combining with him a lot more to kind of pull the uh, center backs out of position but we'll see if I think if he can do that and kind of pick up the attack and get everybody connected moving forward then yeah yeah Hoyland
0: is is interesting because I don't know if you saw when he got subbed off last match I I don't think he looked frustrated he looked angry he, he
4: looked angry yeah, yeah. but be I mean a tough
0: place to be
4: well, when you're a nine and you're not getting on the ball at all, how effective can you be? Right. Or when you do get the ball, there's no one around you to help you. I would be angry, too.
3: at a club like Manchester United where everybody's waiting for you to score, to put up those numbers yeah. because of the price tag, because of how much confidence the manager seemingly has in you because if they're willing to go out on a almost a $100 million price tag to get you when you're unproven, it's, it's difficult. So it's just still so many questions to be answered. If you wanna find a silver lining for Copenhagen, a, a guy that's injured for them, El Yunusi, formerly of South Southampton. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been really impactful for them. Mm-hmm. He didn't play at the weekend against Randers or or how Charlie properly says it, Ranas. Um, <laughs> he would get mad at me because he said it so many times and I don't remember. Ranas. Um, he didn't play at the weekend, so Wait, maybe Charlie corrected you. <laughs> I go to Charlie. for Danish pronunciation, I go to Charlie. Okay, he played I guess there. That's fair. So yeah. Yeah. I just go to meet for Danishes bad. as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: but, but United also dealing with uh, some injuries again. I mean, again, the which list is, is like the theme. Of we were just looking at the list entire entire to to the other season. Casemiro now Casamero's out until bad. December. Yeah, they're saying yeah, until about Christmas.
3: He's their top goal scorer.
2: That's, that's crazy. Camino. That's how
3: Ridiculous.
0: Four goals. In Crazy. Game. Casemiro is out. Lisandro Martinez is still out. Luke Shaw is looking like he won't get back till late November. So Malaysia also. He's out. Malaysia and Rashford. Rashford is out. I was school. hoping
4: to see him in this game. What's Rashford's?
0: It says knock. It said, so. uh, I saw
4: an article that said a small knock. Mm. That he was hopeful to be back for this game, but...
3: Juan Bissaka
0: also. He's not listed. Malaysia is listed as a few days, so maybe mm. he's back in time for the match. Who knows? Ooh. Or the next,
2: yeah. match, I should say. Yeah, that one's gonna be that's gonna be interesting. 3 p.m. Copenhagen taking on Manchester United. A reminder that our Champions League coverage kicks off today at 2 p.m. on Paramount Plus. Um, all right, we are gonna take a break. Friday's gonna be back with some more headlines when we return. Stick around everyone. We'll be right back.
4: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, check.
2: Welcome back. Here's a look at your Wednesday footy fix uh, Champions League action. We've got Napoli taking on Union Berlin 1245 p.m. right here on the Galazzo Network. That Copenhagen-Manchester United match at 3 p.m. on Paramount+. Plus. Also, Bayern taking on Galatasaray at 3 p.m. as well. Uh, we, in Brazil, we've got Flamengo versus Palmeiras at 7.30 p.m. on Paramount+. Plus. MLS Cup playoffs continue. New England hosting the Philadelphia Union at 7 p.m. on Apple TV+. And in Liga MX, Monterrey versus Santos at nine 9 p.m. on VIX. Right now, let's send it over to Freddie for some more headlines. Take it away, Freddie.
1: We start with some women's soccer news. Gotham FC's Juan Carlos Amoros has now been named NWSL Coach of the Year. The Spanish coach took over a last place Gotham FC team in the offseason and has helped them lead to the team's first NWSL Final. Gotham faces Reign in Saturday's final. Amoros beat out San Diego Wave's Casey Stone and Angel City's Becky Tweed for this grand honor. Daria, And this one is for you because Gotham has had one of the most impressive turnarounds we have seen in the sport. What has Amoros done to help transform Gotham from a last place team to an NWSL finalist?
4: I think he's come in. He's brought in these huge players who fit the system of organized chaos that I love that he likes Hmm. to play. Yes. Organized chaos where they're going (laughs) to great way to put it. Right. Isn't it? And it's so NWSL. I love it. Um, Uh But I think he's brought this team together. And you watch his speeches and you want to run through a wall for mm-hmm. him. I, like, I'm not even a player anymore. And it makes me want to like put my cleats back on and run the pitch. But uh, I think he's just gotten them together. He's tactically changed this team. They were last place last season. Unbelievable. And mm. has them in the finals. And I think tactically, he's so smart. They're playing against Portland. Now, that is not an easy place to go play there. Mm-hmm. And then you have stars Sophia Smith. Crystal Dunn, um, so many more, and they shut them down. Yeah. They weren't able to get much in that game. And I think that's because the players want to play for him. Um, they're so bought into his system, and he's just a good person. He develops players. Um, I called one of their matches uh, with MSG, and we interviewed him before, and anytime we asked him about a specific player, he brought it back to the entire team. Yeah. It was never, oh, this player is leading the team. This is why we're going to win. It's focusing on this player. It was all about developing them pushing them into the game, how tactically they're, they're going to break down the opponent. And it's worked out. And I'm so glad that they're in the finals and he's gotten the results because they deserve organized
0: it. Organized Chaos was great, by the way.
4: Yeah.
3: How influential was he in bringing the two Spanish players to Gotham? Very influential. He said he
4: started that back in February with Metani. And then I'm not sure with Esther, but I know that he was influential in bringing them here because he played against them in um, in
2: the Spanish league. Wow. Darian, at what point during the season did you start to believe that that something special was brewing, that you know, this team was like kind of on this track and that uh, a, a long playoff run, a deep playoff run was possible?
4: You know, I think during the Challenge Cup, because Gotham lost a lot of superstars to the World Cup. Uh, and he was still able to keep the same rhythm, bring in other players who bought into his system, who were so effective in games. And it kind of erased any sort of doubt, I think, that was around Gotham and this organized chaos that he had been pitching, um, that everyone was a little doubtful for with the results and whatnot. But I think just seeing how the players bought in, they were still able to get results, and then seeing everyone come back and just ride or die for him is so deserved and why. I know that they're in the final. Uh-huh. And
0: give a shout out to Yael Iverbush, too, who's put together. Oh yeah. I mean, what I like about what Amaros has been able to do is sort of like the show chopped. You open up the box, and you're like, I got to cook with this, and he's made an incredible dish mm-hmm. out of all these incredible pieces that Yael comes has gone back out to food. somehow, somehow I magically. It. It does. No,
2: that's good. But I was but, like, well, that's a good analogy.
0: But Yael has went out and got some incredible ingredients, and how do you make this into a winning dish? And he's absolutely the done that. The perfect chef. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect, yeah. Master chef, if you will. Um, it's been incredible. To watch, and I also want to give him a shout out. You mentioned during uh Challenge Cup to get someone like a Midge Purse to get focused after possibly missing out yeah. on the yeah. international break and to get her all of a sudden going crazy mm. on that game. Yeah, pitch. she's popping off. Yeah, and also to get players to get the team to galvanize around when there's injuries and stuff. This has been fun to watch, and I hope it continues for one more game.
4: And that it's not Allie Krieger's last game. Yes, A-o. let's go.
0: A-o. Go bats. Go, go bats. A-o. Sorry, Megan You're gonna be there.
4: You're I'm going to gonna the be there. Yeah, I'll yeah, be on sidelines. How much fun is that going to be? I'm um, excited. I'm It'll happy just, for you. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's going to be fun to be back with all my NWSL friends um, and then support the baddies on the pitch. Love it. <laughs> Love
2: it. Um, all right, we're going to take another break. Uh, but yesterday, we caught up with Thomas Rangan ahead of the release of the film based on his experience coaching the American Samoa soccer team that game uh, movies called next goal wins. Um, You're going to hear that conversation we had with him coming up after the break.
0: This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else.
2: footy next goal wins uh this is an upcoming film that tells a true story of Thomas rongan's attempt to lead the American Samoa national football team to qualify for the 2014 World Cup uh it's going to debut next Friday uh here's a clip of what we can expect take a look
1: just about it? <laughs> <laughs> <extreme> <laughs> just to watch him shatter. Ah, just a ah, step ah, on the boss man's ladder. you he will never Jesus take
4: away.
3: The object is to get the ball in, in the net. That's train. the you are shooting the
2: Uh, in theaters, November 17th. Next goal wins. The fact that they used a Dolly Parton's song, too, just makes me want to see this movie <laughs> even more. <laughs> like, I seriously cannot wait. Um, and yesterday, we had a chance to catch up with Thomas Rongan himself. It was a wild and very fun conversation. Here it is. I'm thrilled to welcome in Thomas Rongan to Morning Footy. Thomas, hello. Great to see you today. How you doing?
5: I'm doing well, Suzanne. Hi, Nico, Charlie, Alexis. What's, what's up?
2: Oh man, this is a big day for us. We are we are so pumped for this movie to come out. Next goal wins, November seventeenth. Right off the bat, I just want to ask you, how weird was it to have a movie made after you? Like in your wildest dreams, did you ever think that you would be the subject of a Hollywood film?
5: Never. Although, you know, all of us, probably including you, Suzanne. Um you know, where you get an answer to a question, who should play me in a movie? So this is like a real badass moment for me, you know? It's well, it's Oscar and Golden Globe nominee, super villain, Met Nito, Stelio, Steve Jobs, Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards, it's Michael Evan Bastard. How's how is your day going?
2: I had the same reaction. I will tell you, full stop, um, I used to have, my, my Hollywood crush was, was Michael Fassbender. Um, really? Yes. Wow. Yes. Suzanne. Oh, I'm sorry, inglorious <laughs> bastards. Are you kidding me? This is a, I mean, this was a, a top choice. So So when you found out that it was going to be Michael Fassbender, as you mentioned, Golden Globe winner, he's been nominated for Academy Awards, this guy was going to be portraying you on the big screen. Were you kind of like puffing your chest a little bit? Like, mm-hmm, yep, I agree with this. Great choice.
5: I, I, I was. Uh, I got a backtrack a little bit in 2014 when the original documentary came out at the Tribeca Film Festival. And I'm sitting next to The Rock. The Rock is from American Samoa. He was promoting the movie. And next to me on the other side is a smaller gentleman. And after the movie, everybody's going nuts. Rock. I fives me, the guy next to me, which I still don't know his name, introduced himself and said, I'm gonna turn this into a movie. So fast forward to 2017, I get a call. You remember, my name is Taika Waititi. I just finished uh, doing Thor for Disney, which grossed like a billion dollars. But I want to go back to my roots. And I told you, I was gonna turn this into a movie. But he says, my best friend, and Taika Waititi's from New Zealand, is uh, is a famous actor that unfortunately is uh, is overweight so that's that's crow instead of you know crow playing you it's going to be Michael Fussbender and I knew Michael Fussbender from Magneto Inglorious bastards uh, a nominee for an Oscar for Steve Jobs Steve McQueen uh, the list goes on of roles that he's played the only thing that I took away because that's what tiger TV said he's never done a a comedy because this is a comedy drama. Uh, this movie that is coming out next goal wins. You said in November 17th, and I'm telling you, he plays me to his feet and he's much better looking. I got date <laughs> already, so it's, it's all good.
0: Now, Thomas, this obviously this is exciting. Next goal wins. It's about you taking on a difficult project in being the coach of American Samoa, but that wasn't your first difficult project. You coached Charlie Davies. Uh, (laughs) What was that like? Are there any stories you could tell us about what that might have been like?
5: That was actually easy and and hard. Um, Charlie and I went to probably two camps, a trip uh, to the Mill Cup, which we we won. Um, I had two at that time. You know, pretty exceptional players uh, on that team. One was Arturo Alvarez and one was Charlie Davies. And Charlie carved out literally 20-plus chances throughout that tournament. Didn't finish uh, most of them, quite frankly. <laughs> but he had this unique ability to get himself in very good spots. And, and And we know we talk about Charlie's speed, but he had a lot more than just speed, an innate ability around the 18-yard box. Like one of my former players, at that time leading goal-scorer in World Cup history, Gert Mueller. Now, Bert wasn't as fast as, as Charlie, but he had a... He called it a fingerspitzengefühl, which means, through instinct, you know, finding ways to get himself in great positions. And that was Charlie, and he just needed to hone his finishing abilities, and I saw Charlie actually at a tournament, I think somewhere in Massachusetts, where there were hundreds of teams uh, watching my stepson. And I walked to one field, and there's Charlie Davis running riots, basically. So based on that performance for his youth club, I brought him to the under-20s.
1: All the words of encouragement that you gave me as as a youth player, you know, I, I just remember wanting more and being, I wanted to be pushed. And I knew you had, you know, professional experience, you played as a professional, you coached as a professional, and I knew you giving me that confidence to say, hey, you can play in Europe and, and you got to go test yourself. That, um, that went a long way for me. So uh, thank you. Um, I'm curious, when you took over this American Samoa team, what were the uh, aside from the obvious challenges, what were some of the challenges that you didn't anticipate that you were able to navigate to be able to get this team to compete?
5: Um, I think, and, and that's where I learned, actually, and taught myself, uh, the one thing that I was lacking during my coaching career, although I was able to reach out to players, but not on a emotional intelligence. If I had emotional intelligence or knew Emotional intelligence better during my coaching career, I think I would have had more success. I was driven by fear of failure. Uh, you know, you, you, you get tunnel vision. Um, and, and after a while, as I said again, uh, my emotional intelligence allowed me instinctually to do most things right when I went to American Samoa. And I knew. I I ran into a team that's the worst team in the world, ranked last in FIFA. I knew they had the dubious, (laughs) unfortunate, that they lost 31 to nothing in a World Cup qualifying game against Australia, which was the worst defeat in the history of soccer. Not scored a goal in uh, 20 years. And that they had a Fafafina, which is a transgender, uh, on their team as well, uh, by the name of Johnny Salua. But... Uh, I found out very quickly that the team referred to her as 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 Jaya. So one of my first things was I'm walking towards her with my with her passport, and I said, Jaya, uh, you want me to call you Jaya or Johnny? And the team is there, and this is the second day. Um, and she says, Coach, if you can call me Jaya, that would be great. And I said, you'll be Jaya from now on. The captain says... Oh my God! This is the first Palangi, and Palangi in in Polynesian or in Samoan means white man. the you're the first white man who's accepting Jaya, who we accept in our society. Uh, so that was that was huge for me. Uh, another thing which the Dutch do: we travel, we travel well. I love different languages. I speak five uh, fluently. Um, I'd never been to that part of the world, so I did some research. I'm a atheist, but I went to church with them from, from day one. I sang with them. I finally, and if it wasn't for the American Samoa experience, my personal journey there, I, I probably would have been uh, dead, quite frankly. Um, and my wife did hospitalize me once because I was trying to take my... Uh, my life, after I'd lost my, my stepdaughter in a, in a single car accident, but for the first time, I was able to let go and, and, and cry. And that was that was important for me. And as I said again, uh, in the four components of football, technically, I could have made him a little bit better. Tactically, yes, I, I, I tweaked some things, but I'd seen that I couldn't play 90 minutes, so they weren't very fit. I knew in three weeks I could help there, but more so the mental side, And how do I turn a losing team into a winning team? And the day of the game against Tonga, our first qualifying game to go to Brazil, I looked in their faces when I announced the starting 11. And as Charlie knows, my rah-rah speeches uh, are, are pretty good. They're legendary. And I, said, I said to my wife, actually, I think they believe they can win. So, that was a, a, a incredible journey of doing a lot of different team-building exercises to get to that point where they firmly believed, and here we go, we win uh, 2-1. first win, as I said again, in 20 years uh, with the first transgender uh, to play an official men's World Cup qualifying game. So, um, I worked on the mental side more than, than anything else.
2: Thomas, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Can't wait to see the film.
5: Go see it. You'll enjoy it.
2: I have no doubt we will. Thank you so much, guys. Such a fun conversation. Next goal wins in theaters November 17th. All right, guys, we're going to take another break. We're looking ahead to more of today's Champions League action when we return.
1: Buenos dias, mi gente. Welcome back to Morning Footy. I'm Freddy Lomeli, and we have some breaking news in Major League Soccer. Charlotte FC has fired head coach Christian Latanzio, parting ways with the Italian manager after Charlotte FC's second season in the MLS. Latanzio spent two seasons as head coach of the expansion team, taking charge early in Charlotte's expansion season in 2022. We'll have more on this story later in the show. Back to you, Susana. Ooh.
2: I honestly, I'm not terribly surprised hmm. at this. Mm. I'm not, I, I, Christian Latanzio did really well. So he was an assistant to Miguel Angel Ramirez, who was the very first head coach of Charlotte FC. And if you recall, <laughs> I know Alexis, you probably remember this. this is before the season had even started. Just before it. I was actually there the day this happened. Really? Yes. Last so, season. Last season. Uh-huh. They had not taken the pitch for an MLS match and Miguel Angel Ramirez basically said we are screwed uh, because they hadn't filled they I think they were still had like two DP spots open they they hadn't completed their roster and so it the tone had sort of been set he did not last very long Christian Latanzio then was named the interim coach came in, and start, Charlotte started <laughs> to get some decent results. And even last season, they did not make the playoffs last season, but even towards the end, they weren't mathematically eliminated. There was still a chance that they could they could move on to the postseason. And so they basically offered Latanzio uh, the full-time head coaching job. And this year, I think, it wasn't terrible, but it just wasn't good enough and if you if you look at their their record, they had a ton of draws they also dropped i can't even i don't know the stat but they dropped a ton of points from losing from winning positions mm. so they would get the lead and then they would give up late goals and they ended up being eliminated from the playoffs a few weeks before the regular season ended and I just think it was I, I kind of felt like this was an inevitability for Charlotte, they do so well attendance-wise. When you look at the vibes you've experienced yeah. a, a match there as well. This is a uh, Miami game. They have a, they play at Bank of America Stadium, which is where the Panthers play the NFL team, and they fill that place up consistently. It's right downtown. The fan base is incredibly engaged. Um, I would have to think that this is going to be. A pretty um, enticing market to to manage in and I would think that they're going to get some high-caliber level coaching candidates for this for this club
0: yeah and you said it the owner wants to spend he Mm -hmm. has money he wants to spend this isn't David Tepper yeah this isn't a secondary item for him this is something he's proud of, and he was he was there at the game uh, versus Inter Miami. He seems like he's front facing when it comes to this game, uh, to this team. So I expect that they will be able to get somebody. But they also he had an, they had the team had an option for 2024 yeah. for beyond 2024, and it looks like that they
2: just they mm.
0: were like, yeah, we're not going to take that option. So I wonder who comes in now because as good as this team has looked at moments from watching them live, you're like, these pieces don't really fit together. If this yeah. was a, a FIFA Ultimate team, it would have been a lot of red lines in between them. You know what I mean?
4: Do you think it was just tactically, like, making
2: end-of-game decisions that they blew the lead a lot of times? Mm-hmm. They didn't have a lot of depth on this team mm. as well. So and, there there wasn't a lot of late-game subs that could kind of come in and inject that sort of end-of-game energy that, that you wanted. And I, I think they will spend some money in, in the offseason and I think they will get some of those, those missing pieces. They just need the right guy in charge to kind of manage it all. And again, I think this is a, an incredibly attractive market for 36,000 attendants?
3: feels like it was Karol Swiderski plus Ted on that team, and that's not great news when you invested in a guy like Enzo Copetti, who was underwhelming, to be honest, this season. Enzo Copetti for Racing in Argentina mm-hmm. was so good. Yeah. Was so good. He was on, they were on the cusp of winning an Argentine title with Racine. And frankly, I thought he was going to be one of those Argentines that had a very great season in Argentina. so yeah. was one of those guys that they were eyeing and then was going to kill it in MLS. And he didn't, didn't pan out. No, at all.
2: Yeah. So maybe it's not, still time. A, it's not always it's not it's we've seen it before, it's not always an an easy adjustment. Also, um Ivas fabulous producer, he just gave me this stat. Six times this season, uh, they blew the lead in the eightieth minute. Ooh. Eight more. Ooh. So, yeah. yeah, it just kind of gives you a, an indication of of where that team was at, especially late in games. It just mm. couldn't couldn't finish teams off. So, yeah, it'll be it'll it's going to be interesting to see um, who steps in and what kind of signings they make in the offseason. But I have a, a I think it's a positive outlook for for Charlotte FC. All right. <gasps> Let's transition to Champions League. Uh, we are going to dive into Group B Here is a look at that table. This will make Alexis very happy because Arsenal Mm -hmm. are sitting on top with six points, followed by Lens, Sevilla, and PSV. So uh, let's chat a little bit about um, PSV who faced Lens today. Over the weekend, Malik Tillman and Ricardo Pepe both got on the score sheet. Nice. For PSV, which is always great to see. We love to see our Americans doing well overseas in in Europe. Alexis, any any hope that they will see some minutes today?
0: Uh, yeah, look, De Jong, I think is incredible, but uh, there's an opportunity maybe in the second half for Pepe to shine a little bit. Uh, Malik Tillman, you want him to start to implement himself a little bit more in this team. I feel like he has a better chance of starting before Pepe will. For sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. PSV is just an exciting team, but Lawns, as Arsenal found out, uh, is not an easy team to beat. But when you go to PSV. This feels like this is going to be PSV's game.
2: Yeah. Um, What about Arsenal?
0: Um, where do I start? Arsenal uh, uh,
2: Well, I mean, they—they're they're coming off that sort of uh, dramatic loss to to Newcastle, and, uh-huh. and yeah. there was a lot of controversy. Mikel Arteta very unhappy with the refereeing decisions. These mm-hmm. Disgrace. and disgrace. These
3: grace That's what disgrace. Embarrassment. Uh, Embarrassment.
2: Yeah, there was yeah. a there was a lot of different adjectives used. Um, where's your mindset at?
0: Look, uh, I think injuries are at the point where they start to take their toll on Arsenal. You're looking like Gabriel Jesus, Odegaard is listed as doubtful. Uh, Partey now seemingly will be out for a very long time. Um, you're starting to wonder if maybe they, they they took a little too long to maybe sell him. He's 30 years old. Uh, Arsenal seems like the type of team that wants to start being a bit more ruthless a bit more cutting and start to get rid of players at the peak of their value towards the end right before that diminishing returns hit with say maybe they're lifted a little late and here we are um, but if you look at Arsenal and, and what they're able to do it's going to be can Eddie and Ketia provide what Gabriel Jesus mm-hmm. provides mm-hmm. for you simply in the form of goals you don't expect them to provide link of play with the rest of the squad Bukayo Saka is exactly who you expect him to be and then you're looking at potential bench players that can provide for you as starters. Leandro Trossard is one of those that in moments absolutely looks like a starter and would start on any team in the Premier League. Can, can he provide that for a team like Arsenal? Mm. Can Arsenal stop the slide? And if you look at Arsenal's last few matches and some of the injuries that they're dealing with, it starts to make a little bit more sense as to why Arteta was so vocal. Maybe mm-hmm. this is an opportunity to galvanize this team. Maybe he's running out of options outside of that and thinking if I can get them together, us against the world, maybe there's a chance that they can walk into this match and, and really shine. And Sevilla's not an easy team to beat in these competitions.
3: Um, Sevilla, on the other hand, hasn't won a single game mm. under Diego Alonso. I mean, they have, but it was in the Copa del Rey. Guess the division in which the team that they beat played in. Just guess. Give me a guess. First round were La Liga teams Okay. Play. Give me a guess.
2: Third? No. Fifth? No.
3: Uh, they beat a sixth division side. In the five games that he's managed, that's the only team that oh he's managed goodness. to beat. Wow. So Diego Alonso is looking for really his first important win, and it's going to be very difficult at the Emirates. Sevilla hasn't been convincing under Diego Alonso yet. Wow.
2: it's another great nugget. Y'all are full of them today <laughs> good job
3: no, we gotta go to we gotta hit a drive through after
2: <laughs> good work um psv launch that game um at 3 p.m right here on the Galazzo network you don't want to miss that all right guys we're going to take another time out um we are diving into groups c and d when we come back don't go anywhere
1: What a picture what a sight what a stage what can he work here
5: pulls it back giacomo raspadori for Napoli, and the chairs in berlin are neapolitan ones
2: took it down well is there something at the end of this oh what a goal oscar glove
4: with an absolute beauty memorable equalizer
2: Welcome back. Match day four of Champions League rolls on. Here's a look at groups C and D. Napoli will host UNI on Berlin at 12.45 p.m. Eastern right here on the Galazzo Network. Real Madrid host Braga. In Group D, Real Sociedad take on Benfica, who have not won a single match in group stage so far. And FC Salzburg face Inter Milan. Again, all of these matches on Paramount Plus, and our coverage begins at 2 p.m. All right, let's start with Group C, mm. shall we? Can we look at the standings? Let's see how we're at Real Madrid sitting on top. Three games, three wins with nine points, followed by Napoli with six points, Braga with three, and, ooh, Uni and Berlin with zero. They, of course, are riding that um, very woeful, dismal <laughs> losing streak. Losing streak. It's not even, it's not even a, a winless, winless streak. streak. No, it either. is a... Losing streak, um, and they take on Napoli today. It just doesn't get easier for them. What would, let's try to be positive, what would a win do for Union Berlin if they were to get a result? Save their coach? Today. Would it? <laughs> do you think?
3: <laughs> Maybe they would have to get a couple <laughs> more results in Bundesliga as well, but. Yeah. Everything is just, they're conceding so much mm-hmm. so easily.
2: I know, it's just their confidence is so low. Okay, so Darian, have you ever been on a team where you are in just a a dismal streak like that, like a losing streak or a winless streak? What does it take to get out of it? You know, is it just one result? Is it a goal? Is it a moment? Like, how how does that work? Uh, yeah, I hate to say I have been on a couple of teams where we've had losing streaks. Jeez. yeah. Your
4: fault? <laughs> this bad? No way. I was, I was up by the goal. No, no, no. Uh, no, I think what needs to happen is there just needs to be an overall mindset change, uh, which is really tough when you're losing. Yeah. Going into games and feeling confident is not an easy feat, especially when you're in Champions League and you're yeah. going up Giants. Your first time in
2: Champions League. First time in Champions
4: League, mm-hmm. League going up against Giants. So I think the it, it, The mindset I think they would need to get into is to be gritty, tackle, get stuck in, Mm -hmm. uh, take your chances, and really just play together. Because at this point, it's hard. There's no easy solution. I think it's just a mentality thing that you have to get through and ride this wave of a losing streak. As much as that sucks, uh, there, i think there's not much to do at this point
0: the magic of this sport is if no one scores you both walk away with yeah. a point yeah bro 550 five, man <laughs> come on do something i mean, obviously 550 five, is a joke but you said get stuck in there a, a mindset change how many times may they have they might have Tried that in this losing streak. It's been horrific to watch. I suggest you sage, sage the mm. team bus, okay. sage the so locker you're room,
2: like all get, kinds of measures. Get Crystal, do something. you calling on. You're That's calling on. That's
3: what they did, the did all of last season. They were yeah. so practical, pragmatic. Yeah. They they knew how to lock it down, but they, they played didn't very cynical. And last they year. released on the counter. Sheraldo Becker was very good, mm-hmm. and and they had and they had uh, Jordan Pifak who thought, was, yeah. was scoring, and now mm-hmm. he's not there. He's Yeah. Like, like yeah, yeah. scoring, but you bring in a guy like Berens who starts the season not with a hat trick and then goes cold. And then you reinforce, it's like, they did everything right on paper, but it's all coming apart. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about uh, what, a couple of seconds ago, oh, it was Gotham, that mm-hmm. they brought in the right ingredients, but now it's like a, a chef who knew how to cook suddenly is not putting up an end yeah. product. I feel like Urs Fischer's Oof. time mm. is being counted.
2: Yikes. I mean, Uh, to some
0: degree, they might have waited too long at this point. You're going to be out of Champions League. This is, I mean, you maybe have a chance to overtake Braga with a couple of uh, results, but you're certainly not going to get through this group. now with Real Madrid and Napoli sitting up up there. Yeah, they're
2: up against it for sure. Uh, That match, 12.45 p.m., again, you can watch it right here on the Galazzo Network. Quickly, uh, Real Madrid versus Braga. Jude Bellingham, Ancelotti has said that he is going to be a game-time decision after suffering that that shoulder injury. Do you think he's going to... No. no. No, I, I
3: wouldn't risk them. They're I sitting think- on top. Yeah, you don't have They've won them against, all three know. of
2: their, their matches. Darian, do you risk it?
4: No, do you no. rest nah. him. You need him in the next in the knockout stages. Very smart. Yeah. Very very practical.
2: Um, all right, let's move along to Group D. Here's a look at the standings. There we've got Real Sociedad on top with seven points. Inter Milan also on seven points, uh, but just one goal off the goal differential. Followed by Salzburg and Benfica. Man, yikes. Benfica winless. They have, they, they've lost every match. They've lost yeah. every single match yep. in in group stage so far, which is shocking because they made it to the quarterfinals last year. They're a team that that historically has done well um, in Champions League, but uh, for for Inter Milan and or uh, Inter Milan and Real Sociedad uh, performing pretty well. I feel like quietly too. I feel like we're not talking about them.
3: And we should a lot. La Real since. Imanol Alguacil has taken charge of this team, especially in Europe, they have a really good European record. They are good. They should have beat Barcelona mm-hmm. at the weekend. They're dynamic, they're offensive, they're a fun team to watch, but because... With all due respect, is that Real Sociedad. No one's really talking about them outside of Spain that much. Mm -hmm. And they have everything that it takes to get through this group. And they have an electric star in Take. Take
0: Fusa Kubo is absolutely incredible. Sitting on two assists and five goals this season. But he is a human highlight reel, man. He is so exciting to watch on that right wing. You know, there um, there was talks of Arsenal looking to find a backup for Osaka because... He is being used so much, but a backup who can come in and play more minutes than a backup typically would, and there were talks of Kubo possibly being that guy, and watching him play a couple times for La Real, you're like, no, this guy's a starter nonstop. Maybe not an Arsenal, but he is a starter nonstop. This kid is
3: electric. He is so fun to watch.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Inter? Are they the favorites in, in this group?
3: Probably with the way that they're standing, I would say so.
2: Yeah.
0: Also, they're so defensively stout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if they get through into the group stages, they're going to cause... I mean, if they get through the group stages into the knockout rounds, they're going to cause some problems, because they are... So so consistent defensively, and Lautaro Martinez, who at one point some idiot named Alexis called him inconsistent.
3: <laughs> uh, what a
0: dummy! This Nobody, guy, he's hot he and cold.
3: <laughs> yeah, he is. He's hot and cold. But when he's, he is. when he's hot, he's extremely hot, and when he's cold, he's freezing cold. Yeah, but he's he's, he's, he's managed a
0: way. He's managed to figure out a way to keep it going this season, where you can kind of depend on him. And you know, when they lose Lukaku in the off season. You think, can he handle it on his own? And he's answered that question as a yes for now, but he's answered that question. I, to me, I mean, they're so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I, I think they've done an incredible job. I can't wait to see what they do in the group stage, outside the group stages because I think they're getting through easily. Well, mm-hmm.
2: Made it to the final yeah. last year. Fun mm-hmm. to
0: watch, too, in the final.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. It was a great, great match against City. All right, guys, uh, we are going to take another timeout. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Here's a look at your Wednesday footy fix. In Champions League, we have Napoli taking on Union Berlin at 12.45 p.m. You can watch that match right here on the Galazzo Network. Copenhagen face Manchester United. Bayern Munich versus Galatasaray. And Arsenal taking on Sevilla. You can watch all of those matches on Paramount. Plus, our coverage kicks off at 2 p.m. Eastern. And MLF's Cup playoffs Give me New England <laughs> taking on Philadelphia in Game 2 of a three-game series. 7 P.M. on Apple TV Plus. All right, let's chat that match. New England, hey, Suze. Philadelphia.
3: <laughs> <Suze>. <laughs> so, for everybody who didn't watch the show, Susan and I did a bet—a real bet. Well. I did a bet and Suze consulted. Here's the context though. Every time Suze bets on MLS, she she loses. loses. (laughs) Yes. So we went. Both teams to score in Atlanta, Columbus. Happened. Under 2.5 goals in the Nashville Orlando. Happened. And now we need under 2.5 goals in this Philly Revs. I put 10 bucks on it. The okay. payout is $83.75. If we get it right, I will treat you and Ian to $83.75 worth of beer. And if it's they Ian. lose,
0: I will treat you and Ian, her fiancé, to eighty dollars Ian's the real beer. <laughs> yeah. <He> Ian's
2: like, <laughs> woo! Jeez Louise. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one, though, because it's at New England, mm-hmm. and Philadelphia have, have looked pretty good. They were the MLS Cup runners-up. Last year, New England have just been kind of... Uh, in shambles. Yeah, and no Kai
0: Wagner, which is an important player for that team. That is a
2: very important player. So yeah, I'm hoping for not many goals. In this one, yeah. Well, if, they, if, if, if there's a goal in like the first five minutes, I feel like. Oh,
3: we are going. To Susan's just been holding crumble. an empty chilled I, mug I, I Lock
2: it down. Boys. I apologize in advance, uh, Darian. Thank you so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure to have you at thank the you. desk. Thank you, Freddie, for joining us. You killed it on the Freddie headlines, crush, guys. So enjoy all oh, the soccer today. Uh We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one, everyone.